What's going on, everyone? You're listening to Daft Picks, Episode 5, Season 3. Joining me today, as always, is producer Parker, and we have a special guest, uh, Kevin. Hello. So we're going to jump right into the biggest news in baseball, which is the Astros uh, not winning the World Series, but a previous World Series win. Parker, why don't you lead us off since you were so excited? Yeah, I was actually doing a lot of research about this right before the show, and the Astros are recently embroiled in a little controversy with cheating with regards to recording uh, catcher signals. Uh, a bunch something. of stuff. Yeah. Signs, yeah. Okay, catcher, stuff. catcher signs or whatever. And this is sort of like the latest in a string of a lot of criticisms of the Houston Astros culture. Recently, their assistant general manager was fired for comments he made against a bunch of female reporters regarding Osuna, right? Yeah, he like cheered, basically right in their face, like, I'm so glad we got Osuna. Yeah, and then a couple years back, the Astros, their first overall pick in 2014, uh, Brady Brady Aiken. Aiken. So they were taking a very long time to sign him to an entry-level contract way past like when the other players in the draft were getting signed. And there was also an incident where when George Springer was their number one prospect, they would sort of keep him in the minors. And then they offered him like a seven-year, $28 million (laughs) contract. And him and his agent were like, no. And I I completely agree with that because, I mean, I know this was a a while ago, but it's like if you're giving him a seven-year contract, why are you leaving him in the minors? So that was right. just like that was like shady cap dealing and stuff like that. But I mean, that's sort of like off topic with like the latest thing with the Astros. But it's just what the point I'm trying to get at is that it's just the latest in a string of really questionable decisions that the Astros have been doing for at least five plus years. The organization just seems to be like rotten at its core. Is basically what I'm getting at here. It's just there's been so many things that have been going on with it, uh, especially in the World Series a couple of years ago. I don't know if you guys remember the U Darvish thing where they were racially taunting U Darvish. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And that even comes back. Uh, I know a lot of people were criticizing U, Dar- U Darvish's performance in that World Series, but now that calls into question, was he really tipping his pitches? Was it the Astros and their technology? And then how are you going to racially taunt him after you essentially, at least allegedly, cheated right. in order to hit the home run off of him? So, I mean, it calls a lot of things into question. Well, the one thing I saw was they were banging a trash can to signal if it was like a curveball or something. Somehow, like, and if, actually, if you go back and watch some of the clips, there you could very clearly hear them, like, like a very, very loud banging sound. So uh, they're, they're caught. It's just, is there more to it now? Yeah, I feel like it's not a question of did they do it. It's a question of what's the punishment going to be. I, I know some people were talking about stripping them of their World Series that they won. I don't know if MLB will take that drastic of a punishment, but, I mean, you're possibly looking at fines, loss of draft picks, maybe managerial suspensions, player suspensions. I mean, there's lots of things that you could look at. Well, there is a precedent. If you think back, was it 2014? The Cardinals, actually, I think they had a scout inside the Astros organization mm-hmm. that got caught basically inside of trading, if you will. And he got four years in prison. So I don't know if it would be that severe, but I feel like this is almost on that level. I mean, stealing data and stealing personal information like that is, is I mean, it's very similar in this sort of sense. And there is, there is statistics that kind of back the allegation up. I read somewhere today that when the allegation started, that the Astros' strikeout rate at home actually dropped significantly. And I think it's the uh, the biggest strikeout rate drop 
like in history of Major League Baseball from season to season. So from the season before the allegation where they allegedly started using this, they struck out a lot. And then after this was introduced, you know, the strikeout rate dropped way down at home, which is something that seems to point the allegations are true. Yeah, I'm looking at the USA article, um, the USA Today article right now, and this was really sort of something of an open secret, especially in the GM meetings of looking at this. Uh, Mike Rizzo from the Nationals, he would always say during the meetings should just ignore all the rumors about it, but these were things that would sort of less be talked about like behind the scenes at all the GM meetings. Interesting. Well, let's not forget, the one of the sources that were cited in this article was a former Astros pitcher. Like, Mike Fires was the one who came forward named he thought he's the one that brought up the allegations in that article with the athletic so i'm not entirely sure that there's anywhere for the astros to get out of this cleanly which also brings into question the talk of who's their manager aj hinch everybody says he's such a good manager like is he now you know i know uh as a mets fan one of the names that fans were clamoring for is aj hinch trying to get him away from the astros see if they could hire him. i mean obviously they were looking for joe girardi but, I mean, he was a pretty hot managerial candidate. He was pretty well-known. I mean, he's led the Astros to two World Series appearances. You know, he, he won one. But now, how bad of a reputation hit is this going to be to him? Yeah, because the Astros went from three 100-loss seasons to three 100-win seasons in the span of seven years. That's true, but I don't know if all of that... I mean, I'm they, they, they did have a lot of player personnel turnover. I mean, the Astros in the early... 2010s were, were absolute garbage. And I mean, they got some really good draft picks and really were able to use that and cultivate some young talent from that. So I don't think the win improvement is entirely... Yeah, I don't believe it's entirely because of this scandal. I do think that we do have to give a lot of credit to him for the roster that he has built. Because looking at it on paper, it's a absolutely fantastic roster. I think, though, there's some... Definitely some double the details. If you look at some of the players that have come through there, succeeded and failed elsewhere, one particular person I think of is Charlie Morton. He would with the Astros. He had a stellar couple seasons, right? And I mean, it's not to say he's a bad pitcher now, but he's also older. But that that was not his career trajectory. Not before and not after was Charlie Morton that pitcher. Like only with the Astros is he that good and. That's not a friendly field. I mean, I, I don't know about that because he, yeah, I remember he played for the Rays this season. He was actually uh, one of the nominees for the AL Cy Young Award. I mean, t- say what you will about me, he did play incredibly well this year, especially for a 35-year-old pitcher. I, I don't know. It's it certainly a situation worth monitoring, and I, I can't imagine the players are going to feel any backlash because they don't really have control of that per se. Even if they participated, I mean, what can you really do? Because that comes from the top down. Like they're not organizing that, you know what I mean? So, question for you two. Do you feel that this invalidates the Astros' recent success? Yes and no. I mean, I do think they... I don't know if they would have been as dominant as they have been were it not for this, but I don't think that they would have been a bad team. Well, I think it's sort of the same thing that you said, yes and no. As far as their talent, I mean, it's really hard for the team with that many good players to not have success, but I think really when you look at some of the things they succeeded in, perhaps that, that's like an outlier. Maybe like the defense specifically, if you know what's coming, you're, you can defend against it easier. And I mean, that's one of the league's best defenses. So What I don't understand is how you have that talented of a roster with Verlander, Cole, Granke, you have Springer, you know, you're supposedly managed by a really good manager in Hinch, 
and you're allegedly cheating, and yet you still lose the World Series to the Washington Nationals. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Isn't it so fitting that the Nationals were the ones that beat them too? Like a team that nobody thought was going to do anything this year without I mean, Bryce there, Harper. There, there was something with the Nationals where. After they beat the Dodgers, I don't know, I just sort of got that feeling that they were going to be the team that gets it. It's just, I don't know, I get that every year with a team in any sport. I watch a lot of Nationals baseball in the regular season just because I'm a Mets fan, and, you know, the Nats play the Mets a lot because they're division rivals. And the Nats honestly started out really bad. They were a horrible team in April and early May. But ever since, they went on a pretty good run before the All-Star break, and ever since then, they were a really high-quality team. I knew that as long as they got past the wild card game, that was my biggest fear for them. Because uh, the wild card game is, you know, one game playoff, anything can happen. But I figured that if they got past the wild card game, you know, they could they had a shot against every like anybody. They were a really good team. Yeah, I think they realized that they had more than Bryce Harper. Soto, yeah, is very good. He's only what twenty two. Yeah, twenty three. Right. Not even. If you remember back to either earlier this year or late last year, they had a game that was sort of like retroactively added. He ended up becoming, like, the f- youngest player after he would turn 19 to hit a home run. It was some, like, stupid stat because he hit it when he was 18, but he's only, like, 20. Yeah, his rookie season was incredible, and he followed up with almost an equally good, if not better, season this year. And, I mean, this is no way he's ceiling. He could get much higher than this, I think. For sure, yeah. And, I mean, that team sort of rallied around the fact that they lost their perceived, out, uh, at least, star in the in the batter category. Well, I mean, they still have stars in Soto and Trey Turner. I mean, that pitching stuff is pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think is next for the Nationals? Because I, I do believe that both Strasburg and Anthony Rendon are free agents this year. Do you see them retaining them? Do you see them going somewhere else? Or uh, I actually have no idea what the cap looks like for them. So Well, I see... I mean, don't forget, it's baseball. They don't have a cap. So oh. money is just money. But I honestly don't think Strasburg comes back. I mean... At this point in his career, he's an ace, and he deserves to play like an ace. every. He should be out there every five games. So, I I don't know. I think Red Dome comes back because he made it with the Nats. I think Strasburg maybe goes elsewhere. I don't know where, but... Um, Strasburg to the Yankees, the worst timeline. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 as a Yankees fan, I'm hoping for either Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, so we'll see. Uh, Garrett Cole's coming to Tampa, please and thank you. Give cool. me that. Give me those fifteen strikeouts per game, please. <laughs> Man, everything about Tampa's great except for the stadium you play in. Yeah. And the empty stands. Tropicana Field, baby, it's pathetic. I guess. I mean, there is more news around the MLB. You're a Mets fan, so Carlos Beltran is obviously your new manager. How do you feel about that? So I have some very mixed feelings. I I feel that Carlos Beltran, when he was with the Mets, was a great leader. I think he was an integral part of the Astros World Series win. I think he was a great presence in the clubhouse. I think he was doing great with the Yankees. But I have a problem with the type of hire they made. They hired Mickey Calloway a couple years ago, who was a guy that had no managerial experience, and they were kind of just hoping that they would kind of he would kind of catch fire and he would lead the team. Uh, I think that this team has the talent to compete. You have Jacob deGrom, who's the back-to-back Cy Young winner now. You have Pete Alonso, who won Rookie of the Year. You have Syndergaard and Stroman and Mats. I feel like what they need is a guy, a proven guy that they can manage or that can manage. And I think that's what Joe Girardi was. I think that hiring someone that has no managerial experience before, after you just tried that and it didn't work, I feel like that's a gamble that they don't necessarily had. They didn't necessarily have to take. I feel like Girardi was a safe hire. You knew what you were going to get out of him, and that's who they should have targeted. 
Right, yeah, letting him fall to a divisional opponent, too, like <laughs> the Phillies is Just not a Rub salt in the wound, the fact right. that the Phillies got him. And, I mean, the Cubs did something similar. They hired uh, Dave Ross, I believe his name is. Yeah. They hired the Dave, yep. who is also has no manager experience. It's a trend in baseball now, and it's a really risky trend. You see, like, Alex Cora in, in Boston, you know, that worked out really well for them. They had a World Series title, and then... Like I said before, Mickey Calloway, you know, the manager that the Mets just fired, didn't work out so well. You know, two, right. two seasons, one winning season, zero playoff berth. So, I mean, it's a, it's a coin flip. It's a risk. I don't think they had to take it. No, yeah, I mean, that's totally fair, too. And you mentioned, like, Alex Cora. I remember when Alex Cora and Aaron Boone got hired side by side, there was a lot of talk about, I mean, they're not really, they didn't have an experience at the time. I think when you hire players... In any sport, it, it often comes down to if they were a good player, they're typically not a great coach. That's, the, that's not always the exception or the rule, but like take a look, David Ross, you brought up, he wasn't this all-star player. So I think, especially catchers, they have this sort of like catchers. I, they, they manage the game in their own way. Right. They have to deal with pitchers, you know, like manage like what pitches are being thrown. Like they call the game. They they're very familiar like with the supportive role. Right. So they know what's going on, and like they know how to like rally everybody together. I don't know, like, Carlos Beltran, uh, like you said, it's a, it's a coin toss because he was, I think he's definitely an exception because he's a leadership player. He was never just a pure skill player. He definitely worked to get where he was at. But the other thing with Carlos Beltran is you have to, you have to remember, I don't think English is his first language. And, I mean, of course... He's, he's bilingual, yeah. He's accustomed to it by now, but you're still talking... It's always good to have somebody who could do that, but is there going to be a language barrier like some, with some other players? Like, not even just, like... I don't think English players, but like players coming over that don't speak the same language as him, you know. That's tough for any manager, so. It'll be interesting to see how they do. Do you want to talk about some of the other hires? I know uh, we touched on Joe Girardi of the Phillies. Right. Yep. Uh, I believe uh, the Angels' new manager, uh, they hired Joe Madden. I forgot about that, yep. They uh, hired Joe Madden. That's a team that they've been tied a lot to Garrett Cole, so that could be a huge offseason for them. They already have Mike Trout, uh, widely considered the best player in the game, and now... You bring in a new manager who's broke the Cubs World Series drought. You, if you sign, if you do manage to land Garrett Cole, who's arguably one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, finished second Cy Young voting. You know what does that mean for that team? Right. I mean, you look at the Angels. That would take a lot of pressure off of Shohei Itani to pitch every couple games too. He can focus more on hitting, which I think he already said he's not going to pitch the first series back, right? Because he had Tommy John. He, he, he had some sort of injury. Yeah. Was... So when he comes back, I mean, he's going to hit. If they got Garrett Cole, that would really lessen the load on him. The former Phillies manager, Gabe Kapler, got hired by the Giants. So that's another interesting one because he's got to fill Bochy's shoes, which is not easy. And Gabe Kapler was someone who had mixed reactions to his tenure in Philly, to put it lightly. Uh, I know it was very early into his tenure when the Phillies were struggling that fans were not happy with him. And they were also not happy with how he managed the team down the stretch last year and down the stretch this year. They Both years, the Phillies kind of faltered. Last year, they played abysmal down the stretch. This year, they kind of faded out of playoff contention. So what is Gabe Kapler going to bring to the Giants exactly? Right, and, and I mean, that's a team without a real identity, too. Like, they're getting older. Buster Posey's and, and Mattis Bumgarner are probably not going to be good much longer. You can already sort of see it with Mad Bum. And I mean, that team, they don't really have many prospects. They have a couple of guys, but I, I think he's sort of just the... Get, get us to where we want to be, manager. He's definitely not the, we're going to win He's driving all. the tank. He's, he's yeah, driving he the tank. Driving, he tank, tank commander Kapler. Yes. There's a couple of other interesting hires, like pitching coach-wise. The former Reds manager got brought on, I forget where. I, I don't know what 
he's a pitching coach for some team, and Larry Rothschild ended up going to, I want to say the Angels with Joe Madden. Joe Madden, yeah, thank you. So it, it'll be interesting to see where all these people fall. We have a lot. Any more news in the world of baseball this week? Because. Uh, Nothing to do with managers, but I think Garrett Cole got snubbed. The MVP hasn't been announced yet, right? I think it's just Cy Young and Rookie of the Years. Right. What do you think about Pete Alonso not being unanimous? I mean, well, he, he broke the he broke the home he broke Aaron Judge's home run record. I believe it was Soraka that got the other vote, the first place vote. Was it really? Yeah, Soraka. Oh. He got the other first place vote. Ooh. Twenty-nine out of thirty. Miles Soroka for the Soroka, sorry. Oh. For team. Was it the Cardinals or was it the Angels? Uh, I thought it was Braves. Braves. Yes, yeah, Braves. He pitches for the Braves. Yeah, he pitched for the Braves. Shows you what I know. Yeah, he's a pitcher. Yeah, Braves. He earned one of the thirty. Pete Alonso got twenty-nine other first place votes. I believe the same thing happened to Jacob Degrom too. I mean, he got twenty-nine out of thirty. So it seems seems like these Mets players can't can't get these unanimous I mean, decisions. Like, could you imagine not voting unanimous for Pete Alonso? Well, well, well I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, I could kind of see the argument for Soroka because it is hard being a pitcher, especially as a rookie. But Pete Alonso hit. But home run record. It's like, big meat, Pete. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm. I, I mean, come on. Also, no offense to Mal Soroka. Are the Braves the same team without him? They're probably close. Are the Mets having fun playing baseball without Pete Alonso? Probably. Probably not, right? No. no. If we're being honest. Pete Alonso, for, for the solid, I want to say until the Mets went on that magical run where they were you, they they were insane and they were like 14 or 1 or something like that in a span of a couple weeks, up until then, Pete Alonso was literally the only bright spot of the Mets. That was all that the Mets had was Pete Alonso. Then they started winning and things you know started clicking. You know, They started playing better. But up until then, Pete Alonso was so like single-handedly carrying the Mets. If it wasn't for Pete Alonso, the Mets would probably be at that point. They would have been in the cellar of the, of the league. Yeah, that, that's fair. Before we get off of baseball, too, it's, we touched upon the Freydens briefly with uh, Strasburg. But some of the other names that are going to be out there are obviously Garrett Cole, Didi Gregorius is one. Let's see here: Anthony Rendon, Zach Wheeler, uh, Bumgarn, uh, Yasmani Gr- Grandal. That's uh, that's a big one. Yasmani Grandal, Hunjin Ryu, but I think he got a I think tender he got shoot or something like that. Yeah. Josh Donaldson. Which that'll be interesting to see because he was good this year. But yeah, obviously, like the biggest names at the top though are Garrett Cole, Rendon, Strasburg. Zach Wheeler is an interesting. This, one. Yeah, Zach Wheeler is so as a Mets fan. Zach Wheeler's very interesting. He. Coming up, I believe it was in 2012, we traded, um, it was 2012 or 2011, we traded Carlos Beltran, funny enough, uh, to, the, to the San Francisco Giants for Zach Wheeler. He was like a triple-A pitcher at the time, and it was straight up one-for-one. One. That's how hyped of a prospect he was, was we just traded Carlos Beltran, who at the time was a pretty good center fielder. He was probably one of the best center fielders on the market in the, during that trade deadline. And the, we took Zach Wheeler straight up for him, and he was super hyped. He's had he has had his up and ups and downs. The end of last season, he was phenomenal. I think he was better than Degrom was in the second half of the season last year. Even though Degrom ended up winning the Cy Young that year, another like up and down season this year. I know his name was waved around in the trade deadline. The Mets decided not to trade him, but I feel like he could be a solid two or three starter on a contending team. I don't obviously don't think he, his name pulls as much weight as a Steven Strasburg or a Garrett Cole, but I feel like he could be a very decent signing for a contender. Well, I mean, if you're a team that just has depth issues, like if you have a bona fide starter, say like we talked about the Angels, 
if you can't pull one of those big guys, like you still have a Tani, and then if you get Zach Wheeler, that really helps you out a lot. Um, Zach Wheeler is an interesting name. I also I'm interested to see what happens with Mad Bum because he refused to waive his. So if you didn't know, he set up his NTC so that he couldn't be traded to any good team, essentially. Like, the only teams that he allowed trades to were bad teams, which is teams that wouldn't want him, because he wanted to stay with the Giants. So does he resign with them? Like, otherwise, that's really for naught. I mean, I guess we're going to find out. I mean, do the Giants want him? Yeah, that's the real question, is do the Giants want to spend money on an aging pitcher that's probably, I mean... He could help them win, but do they really want to win right now? Right. Picture that only places best in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, and the Giants aren't uh, making the postseason. The Giants don't look like they're making the postseason <laughs> next year. So, have we just figured out a one-for-one one trade? Clayton Kershaw for Madison Bumgarner. They need a guy who pitches well in the postseason, right? Yeah, the Giants. Trade sign and trade. <laughs> sign and trade for the Giants. Yes. Oh, or, 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 yes. or, or does Mad Bum pull the ultimate backstab on Giants fans and sign with the Dodgers? Oh, that would be. Would be some spicy offseason. That would be very, very spicy offseason. Moving ahead to the NFL, Adam Gase is staying out with the New York Jets through 2020, according to their owner. Awesome. And you love to see ownership making moves when they have a general manager. What is it for? Their general manager is actually just Adam Gase because Adam yeah. Gase really controls the player acquisitions there, and it you can kind of tell that because they're doing literally the same exact things that happened when he was with Miami getting rid of talented players because of culture issues or whatever, and then just making the team worse. I mean, there was the whole thing with Kelchi Osemele. Oh, okay. He, you remember that whole situation where he was injured and he was trying to get surgery, but the coaching staff was trying to force him to go on the field, and then they just cut him? Yeah. Even though he needed surgery because he literally couldn't play? <laughs> Yeah, it's just that stuff happening, really. It's it's absolute nonsense. So I'm okay with the Jets remaining being a dumpster fire. It's fun to watch. So, yeah. I mean, how do you lose to a team that doesn't want to win? <laughs> I mean, That's the great... Yeah, watching that Dolphins game was riveting. Yeah, the, it, was cra- it was crazy. It was just, I don't know. And now we might not even be getting to it anymore, so I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to cry myself to sleep now. As <laughs> Dolphins fans do. Yeah, I do feel like a lot of the Jets' misfortunes this year are their own fault, but they've also had some really bad luck. Like Sam Darnold getting mono just <laughs> screwed up their whole so season. <laughs> but Sam Darnold isn't even that good to begin with. You're really just betting on his potential, which isn't something I want to bet on with a coach like Adam Gase, who like the only reason why he's in that position is because he quote unquote coached Peyton Manning for his highest statistical season, and that's it. He was like putting up those numbers before Gase and after him. And you had a really good tangent last show that lost at six minutes about mm-hmm. Adam Gase. So we know your thoughts on Adam Gase. Yeah. The Redskins on our news: Dan Snyder is a clown. Did you see what he did with the injured player? I don't know who the player was that got injured, but he like refused to pay him. Oh, it's the left tackle. I, I, yeah, I don't remember his name, but he's like nine straight, like first team All Pro or something yep. like that. And Dan Snyder getting like, Dan Snyder. How do you treat your best player on the team like this? It's absolutely mind boggling to me. You be you be Dan Snyder. That's how you do it. Yeah. I don't want. He, I don't he want, I don't want to be Dan Snyder. Though. I don't want to screw <laughs> over my players. He he frequently seems to make 
these decisions that to me just seem so boneheaded and seem like they're so obviously going to backfire that I can't fathom how he keeps making them. Like it's it's just mind boggling to me. I don't know if there's a worst run organization in the NFL or let alone the four major sports. I don't I don't know of one. Like uh, we'll, the, we'll get to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we will get to that. Yeah, we will get but, to that. But the Redskins are definitely one of the worst ones. Yeah, they're they're yes. definitely a contender at the very least for for that title. At, at very worst in the NFL, I'd, I'd definitely say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how many guys will they sign now this season that have been criminals at some point in the past year? They signed the guy from Alabama who beat up his wife. Oh, Reuben Foster. Is that Thank you. About? Foster. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Reuben Foster. Uh, he was one of my favorite players to watch at Alabama. But there's some players where the character issues are just too much. They just can't worth worrying about having them on your team. Staying on the Redskins, I do believe that I read somewhere that Dwayne Haskins was going was named the starter for the rest of the season. Yep. Will this help the Redskins at all? No. No. <laughs> I mean, they're they're in a weak division. I mean, they. I do believe they play the Giants one more time. I think they might play the Bengals. Did they, did they play the Bengals already? But I feel like they have. They could at least. What are they? What, one and one and eight right now. One and nine. Something like that. They're, yeah, they're not very. I know they only have one win. I don't know. They have a copious amounts of losses, yes. but I definitely could see if Dwayne Haskins comes in, does what he did at Ohio State, shows some improvement. I feel like they can at least grab one or two more wins. Problem is that he doesn't have what he had at Ohio State at Washington. He literally just Talent? has. Talent? Yeah, he has uh, coaching. Terry Mc- <laughs> has Terry McLaurin, and he has Darius guys who has torn his ACL twice already. And who's the coach? Is it, it's the other? It's one of them. It's Scruton. Scruton, right? yeah, the other Scruton. Wait, wait, wait. Well, no, no, he got no, fired. No, he got fired. No, right? He got fired. They have right now their coaches, their offensive coordinator, who was the head coach for Oakland when they got destroyed by Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl back in 2002, and his players hated him. Oh, nice. Because. They pretty much called him the reason for why they lost the Super Bowls because, you know, that was when they had John Gruden. And then, like, after he left, he, uh, this guy, he left, like, all of the same plays and stuff that Gruden did. So when they met in the Super Bowl, Gruden, like, already knew what they were going to do. So, like, I can't remember his name, though. But, th- I mean, that's just kind of how relevant he is, I guess. Fun. Yeah. The other quarterback conundrum is the Bears. Mitch Trubisky is... Not great. I mean, I, I could have told you that. Yeah. What a horrible season for the Bears. I mean, you're coming off last year, NFC North title. You know, you're one double doink away from going to the <laughs> NFC championship game. You have high hopes for this year. You obviously think you're going to win the NFC North. And then all of a sudden, Mitch Trubisky just can't throw a ball. I mean, it says something when your head coach who was known for running offense, who was the offense corner at Kansas City, when he says, I don't want us to take a sack, so I'm not going to push the ball down the field for a field goal to make it easier, and then they miss that field goal, that's a problem. Yeah, the Bears kickers are just terrible. Just terrible. I mean, no. okay, well, first off, Pinero is probably their best kicker they've had in a while. What is the standard there? Cody Parkey is probably like a waiter uh, on Chomp the Chomp side. baby, uh, like, Gators alum. No, no, but seriously, I think he should be fired. The um, offense is on you. Really? Didn't he win coach of the year last year? You think he should be fired? Did he? Matt Nagy? No, he didn't get coach of the year. I hope he didn't. Uh, I think he's right. I don't know much about coaching, but I'm pretty sure he's right. 
last year. I've, I've he turned the Bears around, right? I feel yeah. like he was at least he had to at least been. Well, I mean, getting Cleo back didn't hurt, but yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was coach of the year last yeah, year. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought he was. Yeah, well, coach of the year. <laughs> well, there, there's a huge problem with the NFL coach of the year because it always goes to the coach that makes the biggest turnaround. That's any sport. Yeah, why is it not Bill Belichick every year is the real question. Yeah. Right. And it's like the problem with it being a big turnaround is that there's so many more times, like more often than not, where it's just an outlier and the team just reverts back to where it was before, which is sucking. Yeah. Because in that first new year of a head coach, you don't really know what they're going to do. So there's like a really, I want to say there's a high chance, but there's a good chance that your team's going to improve upon what it was. Well, it's like rookie luck for players. Like, sometimes players have great first years. Uh, Dak Prescott, his rookie season was phenomenal. He had like two, what, two, three picks his first season. That his next season, he threw like, what, eight? Well, Dak, <coughs> Dak Prescott's trash. Well, so. I mean, I- no. I, I, this is the hill I will die on. I, I don't think that first cut's an NFL quarterback. I've watched him since his freshman year at Mississippi State. I think he's a good quarterback. I wish he played for a different team, though. Yeah, the Cowboys aren't really likable either. Yeah, yes. if, if he played for any other team, no one would care about him. Yeah. Honestly. Mediocrity. Yeah. yeah. Before we got too far off the NFL, too, there is one thing I wanted to bring up. If you remember a couple of weeks back, we had a argument about Nathan Peterman. Here we uh, so go. Again. You're you're new to this, Kevin. So... We had a question, which is, if you gave the ball to either Nathan Peterman or Justin Verlander, a football, you get one shot to get a, a touchdown, Hail Mary, who would you trust the ball to? Nathan Na- Peterman. Nathan Peterman, 100%. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I told you, dude. Nathan Listen. Peterman, why would you trust? What I mean, I'm interested in hearing your argument for Justin Verlander now. <laughs> okay. I'm interested in your, in your justification of this. I think there's... A certain aspect, of Nathan Peterman, where it does not strike me as an athlete. But we have proof. But called the NFL preseason, where he has thrown fourth quarter comeback drives. Okay, but here's the thing: teams bank on potential all the time, and I think if you talk about Justin Verlander, but he's we did done Justin. It. Ver- you don't even know if Justin Verlander has ever thrown a football in his life, let alone at a professional hasn't, level. I, I mean, I mean, there's so much more to leading a drive <laughs> down the field. Than, than just arm strength. I mean, you're talking about, like, can he read a defense? Does he know the play? I mean, you're, then you're talking about what kind of level of preparation does he have coming in. I feel there's a certain element of luck to it, though. I feel like with any play. If yeah, you, yeah, I, but, I mean, then again, yeah, just, Justin Verlander has a huge arm, but so did Jamarcus Russell. Dude, we also said any so receiver I mean, you wanted. So if you put Randy Moss uh, out there in his prime, like, I'm pretty sure he's going to um, drop I'd rather anything. put Larry Fitzgerald out there because he never drops a ball. That's I mean, just me, though. I mean, Justin Verlander's won a World Series and is married to Kate Upton, so, I mean, the man very well may be able to do anything, so... <laughs> Let, let's be honest here. Justin Verlander is beating Nathan Peterman where it counts. Yeah, he's, he's winning at life, so <laughs> yeah. he's, he's winning yeah. where it counts. But, you know, uh, well, at least the debate is now settled. Unfortunately, not in my favor, but those are the breaks. Um, so, do you think any team is actually going to sign Kaepernick after this thing on Saturday? So there was a like report last night that Kaepernick didn't know that this whole thing was gonna. Like- yeah. So pretty much, uh, the NFL randomly reached out to Kaepernick and his agent, and were like, "Hey, you're gonna be hosting an open tryout on Saturday. You have two hours to respond. You can't change the location or the time you, or anything. You've you, got to be there. Or it has not. to be at Saturday, and you're not guaranteed if any teams are gonna show up. But this is us giving you a chance. I believe- Even though no other free agent has to do this." On Saturdays, teams are preparing for their games on Sunday. Yeah, that's a, I, I read somewhere that he wanted it. 
to be switched to a Tuesday because I believe that's the normal day that workouts are held. Right, and there's no player interference with that. Saturday, you're talking about game, days before a game. Coaches are busy. Scouts are busy. Like, this seems like the perfect solution for the NFL. They go, hey, we gave you a shot and nobody mm-hmm. cared. Yeah. But that's such a surfaceful, surfaceful thing. Like, like if you look at that and you're a joke, because if, if they take it to court again and they go, hey, listen, you had a workout and nobody came, well, okay, it's on the second busiest day of an NFL game week. Like, th- of course nobody's going to show up. But there was a report that every team's going to send at least one scout. So There is also a report where the NFL was going to provide Kaepernick and his agent with teams that were guaranteed to show up. And then this morning, they were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Well, the other thing is, too, most quarterbacks, from what I was reading, at least when they work out, or any agent, but let's say quarterback for this instance, get the coach that they're used to playing with. He doesn't have that opportunity. He doesn't have a coach to help him get back in the playbook, have set plays to run so he impresses. He's going out there blind. So, I mean, what's the ceiling there? I'm trying to think of past uh, offensive coordinators that were with the 49ers back when Jim Harbaugh was a coach, but I honestly can't remember any of them. Would it even matter at this point? Because, I mean, you do lose something after not playing for three years, two years? Is, is the question... Of as to why Kaepernick isn't in the NFL, even about his talent. I mean, I feel that most teams, at the very least, are aware that Kaepernick has the talent to be, at the very least, a backup quarterback. But the question is, is he worth the commotion calling him in and having him as your backup quarterback? Because if you're the Detroit Lions, for example, and let's say you sign you sign Kaepernick, he may be your backup quarterback. And I I think that Kaepernick, based on his past results, I mean, the man has played in the Super Bowl. I think that based on talent, he deserves to be in the NFL. But do the Lions really want all their media questions to be about, oh, Kaepernick, when is Kaepernick going to start? Then whoever your starting quarterback is, if he has a bad game, you know, the media frenzy about Kaepernick. I don't even know if this is a question about does he have the talent in the NFL, as if can it, whatever team that signs him handle the media frenzy that will come with signing Kaepernick? It's sort of like the same thing with Tim Tebow. Right. Back in, the day, back in 2015 when the Eagles signed him, and then everyone was clamoring about when he's going to start, and he ended up not even getting the third right. role. Well, I mean, the difference between that and this is he wasn't good enough. Tim Tebow was, even in his Denver days, he had a great season. He was uh, he hasn't been anything great since Florida, if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah. with, with Tebow, it's just he had horrible throwing mechanics, but he was, he was an incredible athlete. Right, and athletics only get you so and, far, but they uh-huh. get you far enough. Kaepernick also deteriorated a lot his past couple of years, his final playing years with the 49ers. I forget who it was, who he was benched for, but it was some one of the games. It was he Blaine played for Jack, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert. Gabbert yeah, yes. he was benched for Blaine Gabbert, and this was before he was even cut and before he had trouble, you know, finding a job. I think this was before you know he, you know, stood out. So I mean, there is a question about it. I do certainly think that he has the talent to be at the very least a backup quarterback, but then again, like is bringing him on board worth the media frenzy that's going to, and the shadow that's always going to loom over your quarterback, is it really worth it? Well, I think about, you're definitely right, he doesn't have the talent anymore to be a starter. Not any, for any of the 32 teams. Bengals. Not even the Bengals. I, I don't Dolphins. know, Dolphins. I think, I think the Dolphins would be better off playing Josh Rosen, developing him. I think right. the Redskins... Yeah, we're not even playing him, we're playing Fitzpatrick. This is, this is a side tangent, but... Yeah, I think the Bengals... 
you bring up a valid point. I think if you're done with Andy Dalton and you don't have an heir apparent and you think right. that you're going to draft someone in the uh, in the draft in the spring, then you know what? Go for it. Sign Kaepernick. Get some people in the stands. You know, generate some hype around the team that is currently winless and they're the only winless team in the league. And I mean, who do you? I mean. I don't even know the name of their quarterback now. Uh, Ryan Finley. He's Ryan. a rookie. Full, full round? Wait. He he was just drafted this year out of North full Carolina round. State. He's pretty oh, much yeah. uh, Alex Smith light. Okay. But yeah, the problem is that he isn't even playing like Alex Smith because he had like 900 turnovers the one game he started. It's hard to be a game manager when, your when you have no nothing. talent around it's you. It's like, hi, I'm Joe Mixon. Okay. Hi, I'm A.G. Green, and I've been injured for the whole season. I mean, their only actual receiver right now is like Tyler Boyd. And even yeah. he's uh, low-end, too. Yeah, because like, yeah, the other two receivers, A.J. Green and John Ross, have been like injured. Quote, John unquote. Ross isn't even a good receiver. He's a pure slot receiver. He is a core. He is a pure burner. Right, well, slot receivers. That's what I'm saying. Like You send him deep. You send him on deep runs. He's not going to make the easy plays. I mean, he's not even a good catcher. He's, he's a, just fast. He's he's like a, a good comparable to him would be like Ted Ginn. Yeah, that's fair. But back to the point. I mean, Kaepernick, he definitely has the talent to at least be in somebody's bench as a backup. But it's the, just. But the problem's the media frenzy. Well, here's the thing though. They saw. I mean, you look at Michael Vick. He had a job after that whole thing. I think people still look at that. I mean, he was a convicted criminal. Kaepernick. A social issue, whether or not you disagree or agree with it, shouldn't affect that like sort of thing versus like what Michael Vick did. But Michael Vick came back and led the Eagles to the playoffs. He had something left in the tank after he came back. How much does Kaepernick have left? In? I mean, obviously we haven't seen Kaepernick on the field, so we can't answer that. But it's not like when Michael Vick was arrested, he wasn't being benched for Blaine Gabbert. That's true. I guess the other thing too is to look at this. Yeah, uh, there's two there's two sides of the coin. Sure, Kaepernick hasn't seen action, and you know he might not be as good as he was. And there's obviously a grading curve when you're getting older. But on the same token, he hasn't faced NFL linemen in two years, so he hasn't had wear and tear. So he should be physically in the same shape or close to it. But on the flip side of that, he hasn't faced NFL linemen in two years. So he's right. very rusty. So I mean, like, I mean, I know a lot of like uh, pocket movement stuff is instinctual, but was he even good? First off, the pocket movement to begin with, because I and, remember him but, being one of those quarterbacks that would just take off and run. But that's another that's another thing that you can bring up is you're not using those instincts. You know, as a quarterback in the NFL team, you know you constantly have offseason workouts, you constantly have all these things. You're playing games, you're playing preseason games, you have practices. Has Kaepernick have that? Have some of his instincts wear down over the past couple of years where he hasn't been that? Does he still have those po- those pocket instincts? Those are questions that you're going to have to go to this workout to find out. I mean, right. I could speak from experience that I mean, I stay somewhat in shape like I go to the gym five days a week but can I run like five miles right now no absolutely not and the NFL you have to do a lot more than that I think it's interesting we'll we'll, we'll have to see what happens with this whole situation because it's going to be something to watch but there's a plenty of quarterback jobs that are open so I guess the other big news in the other world of sports is the NHL Don Cherry got fired that, Kevin, I know you're not a big hockey guy, right? But I'll try my okay, best. Just follow us along. So Don Cherry, as you know, hosts the Coach's Corner since the God, the 80s with Ron McClain now. Made some really controversial comments. Do we want to get into the comments or do we just want to? Uh, we could do like a little overview of it just to give Kevin an okay. idea of what's going on. Um, he made a comment 
for basically Veterans Day, Remembrance Day in Canada. They wear the poppies like we do. He made a comment about, you people, you come here, you use our milk and honey, you don't wear a poppy, you don't respect the veterans. The you people was very pointed at the people that are in that. Like He specifically referenced down to Toronto, which is a very demographically mixed racially area. It's not... It's not a white area. Don Cherry is an older white guy. Let's let's be frank here. We know what that was directed at, okay? We know who he's directing that. He's directing that at immigrants. You come here. Obviously, there was it was a pointed remark, and he's no stranger to racist, misogynist, anything remarks in his tenure, but this is the one that finally broke it. Do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I think it's wild with the amount of crap that he's said the past couple of years that this is what it took to get him axed. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think it's a light subject. I mean, it, I, there, there's there's a lot of arguments going around, well, is this the worst thing he's ever said? Okay, probably not, but what is, like, don't move the goalposts here, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there shouldn't be a standard for how bad Don Cherry's quote is. Like, well, he shouldn't th- be a bad person. I think it was a thing where it's just, you know, again, he's been there since the 80s. He has... Almost unlimited job security, similar to, like, say, a tenured professor at a university. But that can only get you so far. It's also just times are changing, and what you can say and what you can't say on the air is just completely different as to what the 80, what, what you could say in the 80s or 90s or even the early 2000s. So just with all the social movement that's going on, I feel it's just kind of the responsibility of someone that's on air to kind of sit back and say okay this is something that I probably shouldn't say right now and I should have the foresight to say I'm not going to say that that's totally fair he also didn't retract his remarks he said he's not going to apologize for it. he didn't feel like he said anything wrong I think that's where I mean, I mean, the problem yeah, I mean of course he's not right and I mean like you said well too like you can't see what you said in the 80s in the 80s he was just as polarizing he made a he made it very clear that he didn't like Europeans or Swedes playing in the NHL like he hated Matt Sundin so you're talking about a guy who, he, he's an equal opportunity racist, if you will. Uh, he holds no bar when it comes to stating his point, but it finally got him. Uh, Ron McLean came out and apologized for both of them. He had a very, very minor part in the whole situation. He kind of just sat there and nodded along. Usually when Don Trace says something stupid, he cracks a joke or... I, he didn't have a way to segue this, so obviously he wasn't in the right, but he, he apologized for his part in it. Don Cherry got what he deserved, in my opinion. So where does Don Cherry go from here? There was a... <laughs> the KHL offered him a job saying he could say whatever <laughs> he wants over there. Of so, course they did. So if, tune in next season to see Don Cherry off. <laughs> like, I would love to see that. That would last about one week before he said something stupid about the Russians. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. But think of the YouTube clips that that one week oh. will create. Oh, my God. That would be phenomenal. I, I would love to see that. But that was the big news in the NHL this week. There's nothing bigger, I don't think, that happened. Kabakako and Jack Hughes have been heating up recently. I mean, they were, they were awful to start, so I hope so. Yeah, their first eight games, they both had... A combined one point. Now they've had like around seven or eight in their past thirteen. It's about time. Seven or eight each, or seven or eight combined. Each. I think it's about, yeah. I think Kako himself has six points. He had two goals last night, so he's heating up at the right time. 
the other thing that kind of is still going on is the Dustin Bufflin situation. Are you familiar with... Okay, so this is sort of like the last big news in the NHL for the week, but Dustin Bufflin, it's come out now that he wasn't... He was mulling retirement prior to not playing, allegedly, according to the team. But Dustin Bufflin, at the end of last season, had his physical in the end, in the posts. Like, basically, after playoffs ended, they gave him the, the, the end-of-season physical. He wasn't healthy. He had a injured ankle. Well, team doctor didn't find this broken bone in his foot that they found. And now he has to get surgery to repair both the bone and the ankle. It wasn't so much that he was sitting out to just to figure out if he wanted to play hockey. It was he was sitting out because the team wasn't paying him and they weren't they didn't think this like they didn't find this injury on their player. What does it say about your team doctors? And now they're basically going at him behind the scenes, saying, Oh well he was thinking about retiring prior to that where it seems like from Bufflin's point of view, which seems like the more founded case, is he only started thinking about retirement after the team screwed him over. So I don't know if you saw that this week, Parker, or not, but... Well, I think that's a convenient out for the team doctors, but I also think this is something where the NHLPA is going to start getting heavily involved in. We'll see. But this whole situation is just messy for all parties involved, including the Winnipeg Jets themselves, because their defensive core right now Masai Josh Morrissey is just trash. trash. Yeah, I, I also don't think if you if you thought Dustin Muffalo was going to retire, why would you trade away Jacob Truba? So that that definitely pokes a hole in their whole situation too. Like if you thought he was going to retire, you wouldn't trade away your best defenseman. I mean, you got to talk to Shovel Day off about that. And then lastly, the small thing that occurred was Gary Bettman's comments on the Olympics. He thinks they're a distraction midseason, and obviously he got dogpiled with the All Star Game and the Euro games, everything else that goes on in the middle of the season, along with the lockouts he's caused. Do you guys want to see hockey at the Olympics next time? Yeah. Of course. The Olympics are the best players in the world from their respective countries. I think it's kind of um, authoritarian a little bit to tell your players that they can't go to it when we've seen players from other leagues able to do it. I feel that uh, ice hockey's kind of core to the Winter Olympics. And I feel that if the NHL, if NHL players weren't allowed to participate, I f- like the uh, the quality of the hockey event would go way down, and nobody really wants that. That's fair. Like the, the only benefit that that gets is it highlights players that you wouldn't have heard of before. But at the same time, it's like there's a reason you haven't heard of those players before. Exactly. So like, yeah, it's just another stupid thing that Gary Bettman's done. Honestly, I, you know, I get it. he's gotten the league a lot of money, but. There's a reason why he's almost universally disliked in the hockey community. That's, that's also fair. Now, now we're going to try to venture into a sport that we don't typically talk about on here, which is the NBA. So, um, Kevin, you seem like you're pretty well-versed. Why don't you lead us out? What's the, any big storylines in the NBA this week? Because I uh, follow a little bit. I know Parker doesn't follow at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm like a cursory follower. I know the Heat have been apparently a surprise this year. Yes, they, they have a so. uh, very good rookie. Uh, he was undrafted, correct? Was he was he undrafted or their their star rookie? Uh, <laughs> you asked the wrong guy oh. about the Heat. Uh, I, I don't, oh, I, Tyler Harrow? Yeah. He was, no, he, he, was our, he, was, he was our first round pick. I think oh, oh like, okay, uh, never mind. Like 15th or something the, the, like that. Different person I'm thinking of. But uh and they also have, they have him and they also have Jimmy Butler. Right. Yeah. Jimmy Butler. He, and they have Bam Adebayo. I can never say Oh, uh, they have right. Dion Waiters. What do you do you guys hear about that? No, oh, interesting oh, NBA playing time. No, no. So uh, Dion Waiters was a on. He was on a uh, team plane, 
and he had a panic attack because he ate a THC infused oh. brownie. Oh, 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 I forgot about God, that. I, yeah. love, I love yeah. the NBA storylines. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, the NBA has some spicy like storylines, but yeah, he was suspended 10 games by the Miami Heat because he was on a team plane and ate a THC infused brownie, had a panic attack. Not a good situation. So but, that's, yeah. that's, that's, it's not funny, but it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, I mean, you're a professional athlete. I mean, like, what are you doing? So, so since we don't typically wade into these waters, I kind of want to set a, establish a precedent. Who's your team? Are you? A, you said you're a Mets fan. So, are you a Knicks fan? I am a Lakers fan. Okay. Because when I started watching the NBA, it was right around the time that Kobe and Powell were. They played the Magic and they played the Celtics. So it was right around the time that they were making. They were trying to get their three peat. They got their repeat. So that's when I started watching, and then things haven't been well for the Lakers ever since then, but we're trying to hold on. Well, didn't Magic Johnson left at the start of this season, right, or end of last? He left at the end of last season. Everyone, Everything was, everyone thought the Lakers were done for. You know, they missed the playoffs last year in LeBron's first year. Lonzo looked like he wasn't himself. You know, he was injured. Brandon Ingram also uh, was shut down for the season as well. They kind of destroyed their entire locker room chemistry at the trade deadline last year because literally everybody on the team was involved in some way in a trade rumor. Uh, and then for the offseason, they made that big trade for Anthony Davis. They tried to get Kawhi Leonard, but they obviously failed. But it seems to be working out. They're atop the Western Conference right now. I believe they're 9-2, and two, and they have looked honestly really, really good. And yeah, I think the, they're the number one team in the NBA. Yeah, right, right now. And, yeah, yeah, I just up. Wasn't sure. and on the flip side, the uh, Golden State Warriors are like awful. Well, Steph yeah. Curry's out and Clay Thompson's out, right? Clay Thompson's shut down for the year. Right. There was a report that so Steph Curry at the very minimum is going to be out into the spring, but there was a report that the Warriors are just the Warriors refuted the report, but there's a report that they wanted they wanted to shut him down too, which would essentially just be the Warriors just throwing in the towel on the season a year removed from one of the greatest dynasties the NBA has ever seen. And they are in, if Steph Curry never comes back, they are in real risk of finishing last place in the, in the Western Conference. You have no Steph, you have no Clay, you have Draymond Green and, and uh, D'Lo, and that's it. Rick is, uh, Durant left this season for what, the... The Nets. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, he... And he's not playing right now either, right? No, he, he tore his Achilles... In uh, Game Five of the NBA Finals, right? Okay. So he he's out for a considerable amount of time, probably this season. I'm not sure if it's been announced or not. I probably shouldn't comment on that, but he he's definitely out. Going to miss a considerable amount of time, and uh, the Warriors, they've I think D'Lo has been missing some time too. So there are some times that the season that they have just ran out five nobodies on the roster for the starting lineup, and this comes. A year after their starting lineup was Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant, yeah. and now they're I starting. Think the other one was Demarcus Cousins, right? Yeah. Well, De- Demarcus Cousins was injured until around January, February last year, but he had yeah he had the same Achilles injury that Kevin Durant has now. And I mean, it's it's really tough to imagine a world in which Steve Kerr does not succeed, right? Because like, he's he's a pretty good coach, right? He is a good coach but to me I feel like his success is kind of called into question because if you remember the year that the Warriors went on that insane win streak and they went 73 and 3 or 73 and 9 they uh Luke Walton took over right. because Steve Kerr had back issues 
And Luke Walton actually led that team to most of that success that year in the regular season. Luke Walton then went on to fail absolutely miserably at, at the Lakers job, and he's not doing a particularly good job with the Kings' young core either. So if Luke Walton can succeed with that Golden State Warrior team before Kevin Durant was even there, how much was that Golden State Warrior team masking Steve Kerr's ability to coach? Right, I mean, that's what I was sort of alluding to, too, is, is he really... I guess we'll get to find out this year if he's a good coach because without that talent, now you don't have that. We'll if find Steve out. Kerr can somehow coach that Golden State Warrior team to a playoff berth, if Steph's really out until February or March, that's a miracle. Because there's, there's so many stacked teams in the Western Conference that... Just going 500, let alone making a playoff, getting a playoff berth is going to be extremely hard to do for any team, let alone a team that is missing two of their best players. I was going to say, Steve Kerr kind of reminds me a little bit of John Cooper, except he's actually won championships. It's like you always got to be wary of those coaches that put up absurd win totals, mainly because of having multiple superstar players. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So uh, we never really set this either. Who's your team? Oh, for the NBA? Uh, Miami Heat. So, yeah, it's been a roller coaster okay. since I've been a fan. I mean, pretty high highs and pretty low lows. So, I, I got to say, as a Sixers fan, watching, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Firkin Korkmaz, is that his name? How you say it? Did you, he had, he had a pretty nice shot there, did I'm not crazy. <laughs> Parker, you Who? For, it's Firkin Korkmaz. I know I'm not insane. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. I know for a fact this is a real person. I saw he hit like a pretty nice shot the other day. Oh, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and people make nice shots all the time in the NBA. I was just listening. I was a minute trying. googling this man's name for a nice shot. We didn't even. We didn't even get to find the nice shot. We just... I, I said the press that we did not talk about NBA very often. So, so, so this is like the latest in the name of. Really intriguing NBA names. We have this guy. We have Chrisips Porzingis or oh, Porzingad, depending on who you are. We got Giannis on on a combo. Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, that one's not really that much of a crazy one. I uh, I, I love that name because I love the nickname that you can short just Cat. Cat. Yeah. That's that's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. Like big star name right there. It's so marketable. I don't know. What what are some other wacky Eastern European names that are in the uh, Luka Doncic? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, who's the Turkish guy who plays for the Celtics? Anis Kanter. Anis Kanter, yeah. I like Kanter. He's a good player. Um, I remember when he was with the Thunder. Speaking of uh, Europeans, did you guys touch on Christophe Porzingis' return to New York City? No, I didn't realize what was happening. I, I think that, I, I don't. I, th- I thought it was Wednesday. I thought it was la- maybe it was did last it? night. Okay. or It's either last night or tonight. But uh, just what are your thoughts about it? Do you think New York should embrace him, boo him? I, I don't I think mean, the Knicks deserve anything good. I mean, he he was traded, right? He was traded to the Mavs at the deadline last year. Well, I mean, I think he should be cheered because, I mean, you don't really control if you get traded. Well, I mean, I mean, you do, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like you don't really want to get traded. He also didn't want to be there, though. Did he? I, I think mean, that's why he was traded, right? Right, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I don't know that he formally applied, requested a trade, but it was pretty apparent that he did not want to play for the Knicks, which, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to play for the Knicks except for Stephen A. Smith, but. 
<laughs> well, then he could go suit up and go walk out there and drain some threes down if he really wants to. I, I would I would pay to see Stephen A. Smith. I would pay to see Stephen A. Smith do anything. That, I mean, yeah, yeah. That man could eat oatmeal. I think yeah. it's, 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 it's High quality content. I guarantee that's exactly what he does. Did, did you see Doc Rivers who got a technical foul last night and his son His son, his like son snitched on him and yep. got him. He like pointed the rest attention towards his father, Doc Rivers, and was like, give him a tea and <laughs> Doc got a tea. Yep. That's hilarious. That was, it was really funny. Someone didn't get dinner that night. Well, thanks, Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner is going to be real awkward at the Rivers family. <laughs> I guess you could say that that turkey's going to be a technical foul. Okay, that's done. We're done here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, that's the show. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, so, is there any other news in the world of sports this week? We, for a very rare time, we covered all four of the major ones. Uh, I mean, not really, that I can think of. I mean, uh, football, I mean, the Niners lost. So, there's officially no more undefeated teams. So, the 1972 Dolphins remain the best team to ever uh, well, the best team in NFL history. That was so, so anticlimactic, let me just tell you that. Yeah. That had absolutely no zest to it. Well, I guess it's a good time to mention that we have a new home, a new location where you can listen to us. We are now on CastBox, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. Pretty excited with this new platform. We're going to see how it goes. Right, yeah, I mean, you could follow us on Twitter, at DaftPix. Uh, the Instagram account will be back up soon. Same thing, at DaftPix. And CastBox is just DaftPix, or DaftPix Podcast, I guess. It, yeah, it's it's something like that. The link it, right now is just a whole bunch of random characters. Like we're still trying to get it set up, but there's going to be an embedded link for it on all the socials. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get that out at some point. I guess that's probably the end of the show, though. So, anything else you guys want to add before we depart? Well, yeah, it's a good show. Thanks for popping on, Kevin. It, mm, thank you. Thank really you. Really good me. insight. You're yeah, an thank astronaut. You. Nice having thank you. You're you. uh, you our new MBA specialist. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome on anytime. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you for uh, having me. But I guess that's our show, so thank you all for listening. All right, thanks for listening. And uh, to quote 90.7 WCLH, keep it locked.